This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Everybody, welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Tonight we're learning Le'ilu Nishmat Avraham ben Chaim Yehuda and Yecheskel ben Avraham. So tonight we're going to be discussing Be'ezat Hashem the... I use the term skulot because it's a little bit of a tricky word when it comes to this, but skulot of losing money. Because generally, generally, when we think of the term skula, we think of it in a way of gaining something. And the way that it works is that if you, the way that skula works, not to get too much into it, is that there's a certain inherent, or there's a certain greater power is a better word. There's a greater power in a certain mitzvah or whatever it is that you that that the, the skula is that has that capabilities, the ability to provide more merit to pertain whatever it is that you're looking for. Again, associated that with that with that skula. So skula, in generally, for the way that the general people look at it, is that there is a way of getting something. I don't want to say in a shortcut, but kind of in that manner, a little bit of more of a shortcut kind of way, or a little bit of more of like a catalyst or a boost type of way. And, uh, you know, when, when dealing with people, first of all, the, the I guess the top two areas of skulot that, you know, when I deal with people, it's either money, and that, by the way, is like the number one by far. And then number two is probably like shiduchim. Number three is probably like kids. But there's like a certain areas of where, it, you know, it's important. And money comes up very high in the, in the skula realm. Now, it's interesting when people go and people have difficulties with money. Or better yet, a more of a, um, even not difficulties, but not really achieving what they want to achieve in their financial goals. They feel like there's something that's, holding them back, and they don't usually associate that with with something that's wrong with themselves, but rather what's wrong with the surrounding. A very, very common uh, thing that comes up is that if someone, let's say, is not doing well financially or, or you know, panasa, the business is not doing so well, a very common uh, cause that they point to would be evil eye. Uh, forget about me, an evil eye, or some other, uh, you know, a type of, of Kabbalistic, uh, you know, concept that it has sort of nothing to do with me, but like there's something other, an outside force that's, that's causing me to, to not be successful where, where I want to be successful. Now, while it can be true, and it, it can be possible, that should not be the first place to look at. I, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I had, you know, had these conversations with people. And it's funny because like these people obviously don't listen to my classes because they know where I would go with this if they would be listening to my classes. And that would be like, I have people that come in and they sit to me and they say, okay, fine, Rabbi, I have an evil eye. I'm like, what, what makes you think I have an evil eye? Just a general idea. When you speak about a certain topic, those are the questions that you get on that topic. So I spoke along, uh, I don't know, two or three years ago about evil eye. And, you know, to this day, I still get... I still get uh, these um, questions on the evil eye. So people come over to me and they say, listen, Rabbi, I have a goal, I have an issue, um, I have the evil eye. I'm like, what makes you think you have an evil eye? So I tried this business and it failed. I tried this business and it failed. I tried this business and it failed. Must be that there is uh, you know, some sort of evil eye in it. So when they come to me, these are not people, again, generally that are listening to Torah classes or coming to Torah classes that, that I would say this to, but I, I look at them and be like, you keep Shabbat. And it was very obvious to me. Again, I have to ask it because I can't judge it. But it looked very obvious that they obviously they didn't keep it. So they're like, no, I don't keep Shabbat. You keep kosher? No. You keep the laws of modesty? Which again, sometimes it's very, very obvious. And the answer is no. So I asked them, well, what makes you feel? What makes you think 
that the reason of your cause of destruction or lack of success is because of an evil eye. Maybe it's because you don't keep Shabbat. Maybe it's because you don't keep uh, modesty. Maybe it's because you don't keep family purity. You don't go to, you don't go to Mikvah. You don't keep Nida. Maybe it's because you don't need kosher. There's a lot of other reasons that maybe we could point to. Why is it that the first place that you go to is evil eye? Why is it the first place? Because the fact that somebody spilled salt and then I moved in and all these other things because it doesn't have to focus about me. So when we look at the fact of, of financial distress or financial difficulties, it's very important to stop for a second and not put the blame on other people or other places. Yes, it could be an answer. It could be a reason for it. That shouldn't be our initial thought. Our initial thought should always be that when something happens, we have to look at two angles. We have to look at the spiritual angle and we have to look at the physical angle. On the spiritual side, even though evil eye technically is on the spiritual side, but what I'm, what I'm referring to in the spiritual side is really what we're looking at on ourselves. Meaning that if HaKadosh Baruch Hu did something to me, if God did something to me, and I'm not successful, or I'm losing, or whatever it is, something that there is, there is difficulties, then maybe there's something that I need to change. Maybe there's something that I need to do that is causing this bad to happen. On the physical side of it, <clears throat> is that maybe there's something that I need to change. So for example, somebody's going to start a business, and the business unfortunately wasn't successful. So now they have to look at it from the physical side. Okay, now why was it successful? Maybe you didn't put enough effort in. Maybe you didn't put enough money in. Maybe you didn't hire the right people. Maybe you went into something without knowing anything about it. There's a lot of reasons why it couldn't have been successful or it wasn't successful. On the other hand, you have to go on the spiritual side. Why did this Baruch cause you to do this financial loss? Maybe you didn't go daven with a minyan. Maybe you weren't dressing modestly. Maybe that you didn't keep Shabbat properly. Maybe you did it. There's a lot of the whole list of things. So. Today, Bezalel Hashem, what I want to go through is the spiritual aspect, the spiritual side of things, of what causes one to go and to um, have this financial uh, difficulties. Now, before we go get into this, it's, we, we really have to focus on a, on a certain concept. And this, that doesn't really have to do with this class. It has to do with you know, life in general. That many people feel they don't have a certain blessing in their life. Again, it could be panasam. We'll use panasam as an example, money as an example, because this is the topic of today. But when you think about it, the fact that you don't have the blessing of panasa, and I'm using that word and as opposed to wealth or anything else, is you feel that you're, in generally, I shouldn't, I, okay, let, let's try to clarify this. In general, the way that people feel they are, they're holding in a financial status is when they compare themselves to others. This is a, a relative type of feeling. Again, not always, but in many times it is, uh, it is relative. So, when you go and you think about it, you, you, again, it depends on who you're comparing it to. But if you're comparing it to a very successful movie star, then you're right. Maybe your life isn't as glamorous, as great, as successful, as wealthy, as powerful, and as popular as this, as this, as this star. But if you look, instead of looking at someone in a parallel you know, uh, you know, time frame, look at somebody from 300 years ago. The way that you're living now, you're living now greater than the most wealthiest people alive 300 years ago. And dare I say, even the kings of 300 years ago. If you think about it, you're sitting in your home, and you have heating, you have cooling, you have, uh, um, besides the fact that you have the, the by, by a flick of a switch, you're able to make your room either hot or cold, but you also have the ability to turn on light with a flick of the switch. You realize that, like, you ever even think about that? And the only days you had to have a candle, and then you had to, or you had to have oil, you have to have this, and you have to make sure, and then it flickered. Where do you have, if somebody goes and loves light, I, you know, anybody in the 
you know, I'm obsessed with light. I love, I, my, my, everywhere I have, I have tons of light. And if you think about it, in the olden days, if you want to produce enough light, you would have to light thousands of candles or thousands of these, you know, jars of, uh, of uh, these, these oil candelabras or these things that you would have to physically have to refill. Now with a flick of a switch, even not even a flick of a switch, now if you have go and you have uh, Alexa, you have other types of, uh, probably shouldn't have said that, now everybody that <laughs> has Alexa that uh, um, is playing this is now listening. But in any case, you go there, you can have, if, it's, if it's a smart switch, you're able to turn it on. You don't even have to move, you're able to turn on your air conditioner by just, by just a voice recognition, by just saying it. Talk about a king. A king would have to go and be like, okay, fine. My servant, go and light up uh, the room. Or go and, and they were able to... Now you're also able to do that to that level. Even if you don't have a car. You have public transportation. Which again, you have heating and cooling inside this transportation. In the old days, they didn't have that. In the old days, they didn't have... If you want to go and fly across... You want to fly to Israel. So you have to get on a plane, you fly to Israel. Even if you sit on coach. You know what? No. Even if you sit in the baggage. In the... Downstairs, in the, uh, where it's freezing, there's no seats, there's nothing. That's still flying better than the kings used to fly, you know, 300, uh, no, they didn't ever fly. The kings used to travel 300 years ago. They would have to go on the ship, and the ship, forget about turbulence, the ship would constantly be, there was no, there was no shocks on the ship. The ship would sway back and forth, and everybody would get seasick. There was no dramamine, there was nothing that you would be able to go and get rid of the seasickness. There were people that would be, want to go and travel, even if you had all the money in the world, you still couldn't travel like you travel the most poorest person today. We have better food, cleaner food, better entertainment. The list goes on and on when you think about it. So when we stop for a second and we feel like we're lacking in panasa, in wealth, in money, whatever it is, we're lacking because we, it's the way that we're looking at life. It's the way that we're looking at, all. Oh, look at everybody else. So this guy has a Rolls Royce and I only have a Lexus. This guy goes and flies in his private jet and I can only fly in first class. This guy can go and have his own car. I have to go on, you know, on, on a bus. Whatever it is, everybody on their own level. But it's all dependent on the way that we look. And the way that we observe things. And that's why <clears throat> I want to show you a few things. I really should have. There's, I'm going to show you this board. But try to focus on whatever I'm pointing at. I just wrote it out just to save some time. But I realized this might be more confusing than actually saving some time. So look at something so beautiful. So on this concept on, on, our, on our viewpoint. So looking at this top right, uh, top right corner. So what we see over here. I'm trying to make sure that both cameras are able to see this. When we look at Hebrew, the word for I is ayin. It's ayin yud nun. That's the I. When we look at ayin and we take the letters that come at right after the letters of ayin, look what we get. So after ayin comes pei. After yud comes, comes kaf. And after nun comes samach. Rearrange, that spells keset. That spells money. Meaning that the way, what happens, what's, what's, what is somebody that, that's constantly looking, that's constantly looking at money, what are they considered? Look at something so beautiful. You take the letters ayin, now I have to write this down. You take the letters ayin, and you rearrange them, they come out spelling ayin, nun, yud, and that is ani, a poor person. Somebody who is constantly going and is constantly focusing on what, what's only the money, only the money, that's considered, that's someone who's a poor person. Why? Because we know that the, the, our sages tell us that ezua ashu, who is somebody who is wealthy? Somebody who is happy with what he has. He's not looking at somebody else. He's not looking at the money for somebody else. He's, he's focused on whatever he has and he's appreciative. 
And even if somebody goes and is appreciated, but is constantly working, we know that there's a still a lack in it. Because there's a midrash that says if yesh, if somebody has a hundred, what does he want? He wants two hundred. What's the matayim? He wants two hundred. He wants double. Why? Because no matter what we have in the financial world, we'll always feel lacking. We'll always feel like we want more. And there's something very beautiful the way that the word mamon is spelled. So mamon is mem mem vav nun. Now a word, a letter is is mem. But also, the letter mem is, there's, a, there's also the spelling of the letter mem. So that is the spelling of the letter mem is mem and end mem. It's sort of like the same. To give you an, uh, an example, the, the letter bet. The letter bet, to spell it, is bet, yud, and taf. So here, that is the spelling of the word bet. The spelling of the word mem is mem and mem. The same thing. And it's something very interesting. When you look at the word mamon, mamon in Hebrew means money. Uh, and I make mamon, so the way that you spell it, mamon is all the letters that their spelling is exactly the same letter twice. Mem is mem mem. Again, mamon, the second mem is mem. Vav, again, is spelled vav vav. And nun is spelled nun nun. Meaning that mamon is something that you always have. No matter how much you have, you always feel lacking. You always feel like you don't have enough. So when we go and we look, just as a sort of an introduction to this type of topic, when we feel like we don't have enough, sometimes it's because of our perception. Sometimes it's because of the way that we perceive things and the way that we see things. And if we change a little bit our perspective, we'll see not only how successful we are, but how amazingly blessed we are. Now, getting into the topic at hand of what causes financial difficulties, with that introduction in mind, We'll go, we'll start off with the Ben Ishchai. The Ben Ishchai, on Parashat Pinchas, goes and says that, <coughs> excuse me, when economic difficulty afflicts a generation, the first step that should be investigated is the sin of promiscuity. That's the sin of znut. For this sin, more than all others, reduces prosperity. And again, this is mentioned numerous times in, in, the, in the Gemara, in the Midrash, in Kabbalah, that looseness in sexual morality is closely connected to your economic situation. The Gemara in Getim, page 57a, goes and says that it once happened that a price of grain stood at 40 measures per dinar, a certain uh, uh, value. And the price went up so that a dinar now bought, uh, a, a coin now bought one measure less than it was before. So the, the Bezdin went, and they investigated, and they found that a father and a son had relations with a married woman on Yom Kippur. So they brought them to trial, and they persecuted them, you know, prosecuted them to, to, to the extent that they needed to, and then the price was restored, says the Ben Ishchai. The Ben Ishchai says that it is known, that from this story, that there's no sin that damages economic prosperity of the Jewish people as much of the sin of sexual misconduct. This causes more destruction than anything else when it comes to Panasa. The Pasuk in Mishlei, Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 26, it says, That for this, for, it's because a man, the, the little translation is, because a man brought a loaf of bread for a zonav, which is literally uh, a harlot. The <clears throat> explanation of this is that an immoral woman damages the kikal lechem, the loaf of bread. And when there's a lack of abundance of prosperity or whatever it is, a lack of abundance in Panasa, the first thing that needs to be examined is this sin. Because this, more than all other sins, and that's why we put this as number one, decreases prosperity. The Zohar in Parashat Naso, along these, along these lines, goes and says, Rav Chalkiah goes and says that, I'm quoting to you in English, Torment will come upon a man who allows his wife to let the hair of her head show. 
For this, meaning keeping the hair covered, is one, as- is one of the aspects of modesty. And a woman who lets her hair show in order to appear beautiful causes poverty in her home. Meaning, and, and by the way, just like I, I, I speak to men, and I, I speak to men, I speak to women. I speak to men, I say, you know, like, uh, do you want your wife to cover their hair? And they, you know, some obviously are very, very particular about it. Others say, you know, I don't mind whether you ask for it or not. And many times, the reason why they don't mind is they don't realize the importance of it. And men can relate to this. Because if you tell a man that if your wife cover, uh, you know, uncovers her hair, that's going to cause a direct result in your loss in your business. That guy is going to make, if he cares about money, which generally 99.9% of men do, they're going to make sure that their woman goes and covers the hair. Woman, on the other hand, you go and you say, oh, no, I don't want to cover my hair. I'm not there yet. So I, when, when, when I get this, depending on the conversation, but if the conversation allows me, I usually say, so what are you doing to get there? Okay, so you're not there yet. And this is, this is not only for covering hair in general, but this is a, a thing that we could ask you know, ourselves in general. We're not in a certain level that we want to be. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, so what are we doing to get to that level? And generally, unfortunately, generally the response is nothing really. Like, so you're not listening to classes about covering your hair. You're not reading books about covering your hair. You're not speaking to people about covering your hair. So you know that you want to get there. So what are you waiting for? Like a bolt of lightning to hit you and be like, okay, now I'm, now I'm, uh, you know, I, I got inspired and now I'm going to do it. Like you're waiting for an outside influence. Somebody who goes and waits for outside influence to change their own selves generally do not change themselves. Again, it can't happen. But you think about it like this. You think about a drug addict. That you go to this drug addict and you say, you know, you should really stop. You should go to rehab. And be like, no, 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 I know. I know it's bad. And I'm going to stop. So when are you going to stop? You ask them or her. And they say, um, I stop when, I'll, when I'm up for it. Right now, I'm not, I'm not really up for it. Someone like that is not really interested in stopping and not really looking inside. If someone's interested in doing something, they do it. And if they're not there yet, then they're actively pursuing a method of trying to get there yet. And if they're not doing that, that means that they're not going to change. They're not, don't wait for an outside type of inspiration. People don't realize the importance of covering their hair. And, and, you know, when I speak to people about it, sometimes they really get, so I really have to like control myself because like when people are like, no, you know, like I'm, that's not, that's not really for me. I'm like, what does that mean? It's not for you. Like since when is it optional? Like the Torah tells you to do something. And since when is it optional? I'll be like, well, I'll take the, this is not a buffet over here where your smorgasbord will be like, I'll have some of this, not of that. I'm allergic. I'll have some of that and I'll take some of this and I'll take some of that. We're, where are you going that you're choosing? It's not for me? You're not on the level yet? Okay, so well then what are you doing to get on the level? So where are you doing it? And if you're not on the level, then let this get you to the level. Because this is in the Zohar. And Parishat Nassau, if you want to go look it up. Okay? That the Zohar says that if you want to have financial security, this is something that you need. This will cause, you know, the the Lashon, the, the, it's torment will come upon a man. Why would you want that? It causes the, the actual also, it finishes off saying that this causes poverty in the home. Why would you want to cause poverty in your home? You would want to go shopping. You would want to be able to sit at home. You would want to be able to go and make sure you pay the mortgage. So listen to what the Torah is telling you. Listen to what it's saying. Cover your hair. The Mishnah, uh, I'm sorry, the Gemara and Sota. Page 4b. Goes and says, Amarava, the, the uh, Gemara goes and says, that Rabbah says, that anybody who engages in relations within a harlot will eventually be reduced to poverty and beg people for a loaf of bread. 
they will go and it will reduce them to poverty. Meaning that this is all along the same umbrella of sexual impurity. Rabbi Yosef Chaim, the Benish Chaim, goes and says in Ben Yoda, and he explains this to be measure for measure. Midah keneged midah. And that is that, he goes and explains it to do Yosef HaTzadik. Potiphar gave Yosef control over everything except for the bread that he ate. And the Pasuk goes, this is a Pasuk in Genesis, chapter 39, verse 6. And Potiphar gave everything in his hands to Yosef. And then the Pasuk goes on and says, Except for the bread that he ate. What does it mean, that except for the bread that he ate? That's referring to the his wife. This is her to Potiphar, this Potiphar's wife. Meaning everything except for Potiphar's wife. <coughs> why, why, where Chaykh's wife over here? It says bread. It doesn't say anything about wife. We learn from here, this refers to the Ben Ishchai, that wife is called bread. And furthermore, we know that abundance comes to man's house only for the sake of his wife. As the Pasuk says in Bereshit in Genesis, chapter 12, verse 16, And Avram Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him, benefited him for the sake, for her sake, for, for his wife's sake. Therefore, so explains the Ben Ishchai, that if somebody goes and abandons his lawful wife, whose sake his bread is being blessed, for the sake of Panasah of the house, and instead he goes with a harlot, then at the end he seeks the, a loaf of bread and he does not find it. This is midah kenek and midah explains the Ben Ishchai because you have a wife at home and instead you went to you know a place of ill repute. So because your wife at home, which represents the bread or which represents your panasa, you left that and you went to find a harlot. Now you won't be able to find the bread which represents by your wife, which is the merit of 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 your wife that you have bread in your house, meaning panasa in your house. Taking this step further, Yosef. Was he? He was the foundation of Panasav of Egypt of Mitzrayim. He sanctified himself in 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 this in this area of of sexual purity, and that opened the storehouses of abundance for him. And it's something very interesting. Without getting too much into the kabbalistic aspect of this of the Sfirot, uh, a tzaddik is associated with the Sfirah of Yisod, as it says in Mishlei chapter ten, verse 20, twenty five. The tzaddik Yisod Olam. It's a righteous person is the foundation of the world, but Yesod is also one of the Sfirot, the Sfirah of Yesod. And Yosef HaTzadik is known to be the one who personified the Sfirah of Yesod. The <coughs> Sfirah of Yesod, and this is how Yosef, who is associated with Yesod, is specifically because he exhibited the purity with regards to Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar's wife. Now there's something very interesting. The name Yosef, if we take uh, the name and we do the numerical value, so the numerical value is gematria. So every letter is associated with a number, with a with a, uh, a numeric value. So aleph is one, bez is two, gimel is three, so on and so forth. You take the word Yosef. Yosef is yud vav samach and fei. So you have yud is ten plus vav is six plus samach is sixty plus fei is eighty. That equals to a total number of one hundred and fifty-six. Yosef's numerical value is one hundred and fifty-six. Now we know that Hashem's name, Hashem's name regarding mercy, we know Yud Kei Vav Kei, Yud Hei and Vav and Hei, that numerical value is 26. If you take 26 and you times it by 6, that equals 156, which is, the 6 is in reference to the, to the Sfirah of Yesod. 6 times, this hints to the perfection of the 6 Sfirot, which goes into the makeup of the Sfirah of Yesod. Again, it's a little bit Kabbalistic, if you're not with me so far, it's fine, just, just bear with me. 
The six, number six, is also the letter Vav. Vav is also represented by, by holiness. I want to share with you something from the Benish Chai. You bear with me. Bring out the board. Let's take out this board if you guys can read it. Okay, so the word Kadosh in, in, holy, uh, in Hebrew, so there's, there's holy, there's a masculine form, and there's a feminine form. So the, the word for holy in, in the masculine form is Kadosh, and the word for in the feminine uh, form is, uh, is Kadosha. So the letters of holy, the holiness is Kadosh. Now something very interesting, just, just bearing a little bit off topic on the word Kadosh, Bitachon. The Shorash of Bitachon is Bet, Ches, and Tes. That's the Shorash of the Bitachon. Now, if you take those three letters and you spell them out like we explained earlier, so you have Bet is Bet Yotet, and then Tes is Tes Yotet, and then Ches is Ches Yotet. These are the only three letters, says the Benish Chai, that they're their letter, the way that they're they're spelled out, is completed with a yud and a tet. The the I'm sorry, yud and a tet. Uh, the the um, the numerical value of uh, yud and a tet is 410, the same numerical value as kadosh. Just for betach, uh, the the shorish of that is from bitachon, the holiness of bitachon, which is again the series that we're dealing with. Again, okay, bear with me. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so now the taking those taking that information. So you take the letters of kadosh and and kedusha, and you and we said the the holiness, the holy letter, one of the holy letters. Obviously, all letters are holy, but specifically by the holy letter of the vav. If you remove that from kadosh and kedusha, what are you left with? You're left you're left with kadesh and kadesha. So if you take the letters of kadosh and kedusha and you remove the, le- the letter Vav, you're left with Kadesh and Kadesha. What is the letter Kadesh and Kadesha? The, the Pasuk in Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18, <coughs> excuse me, says, <coughs> What is the word Kadesh and Kadesha? This is referring to what? Promiscuous man, promiscuous woman, a more, uh, in, the, in the more crude terms, a prostitute, uh, uh, someone who is of ill repute. You take the Kadosh and you remove the Vav, you remove the holiness from it, you remove the Yisod from it, what are you left with? You're left with Kadesh and Kadesha, the, the, the impurity aspect of, <coughs> of, of, you know, of, of a person going and, and practicing these uh, actions of ill repute. So taking that into mind, again, bear with me. Taking that into mind, you take the word for wealth. The word for wealth is Hoin. Hoin is He Vav Nun. The central letter again is Vav. And what does hoin mean? As we see in Tehilim chapter 112, verse 3, hoin is referred to wealth. That The translation of hoin is wealth. Speaking about our topic, what happens when you remove the vav, you remove this holiness from the word hoin, it becomes hain. What's hain? Hain says uh, the, the Torah, hain is in reference to death. And we see in Devarim chapter 31, verse 14, your days are getting close to die. Hain is in reference to is a reference to death. By the way, this a lot of what we're saying over here today is um, especially when we're taking the, the words is from Rabbi Matthias Glazerson. Forgot to quote him at the beginning. <coughs> so <coughs> he goes and says like this. Rabbi Matthias goes, goes and brings it down the Gemara from the Darim. The Gemara in the Darim, page sixty four B, goes and says that Arba Chashuvim met. 
there are four people that are considered as if they are dead. Number one is Ani, a poor person. A poor person is considered as if he's dead. Now that really is the focus of today, but we'll just go on to the other, the other four. The other, the other three are Umetzorah, someone who is a leper. Suma, someone who is blind. Umisha and Lobanim, and someone who doesn't have any children. Those are the four aspects of people that are considered dead, according to the Gemara in Darim, page 64b. Now, Akadosh Baruch goes and tells Moshe Rabbeinu to go return to Egypt. Why? Because the people that sought your life, they died. Look at this, you can look at this in Exodus in Shemot chapter 4, verse 19. All the people that wanted to go and seek, 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 your, seek after you, they have died. Says the Gemara Nedarim, page 64b again, goes and says that who are these men that sought to kill or destroy uh, Moshe Rabbeinu? These were none other than Dasan and Aviram. Datan and Aviram. These were the ones that they wanted to go after Moshe Rabbeinu. But we know they didn't, they didn't die yet. They went, they were able to get, they got out of Egypt. So what does the Gemara say? That rather they didn't die, but they lost all their wealth. And from here the Chachamim, the sages learn that poverty, somebody who loses money, is considered as, is equivalent to as if they died. It's a quote of death. And this is actually, it's very interesting. The Chavetz Chaim, and it's quoted in Rabbi Khan Wasserman's Kovitz Ma'amar, goes and says the Pasuk in Amos, chapter 9, verse 10, that's in reference to what will happen in the time of the final redemption, where by, it's, it's reference that, the, that the, all the sinful people shall perish in the, you know, the final redemption. The Zohar goes and explains that the decree of the sword, meaning death, this changes to decree of poverty, meaning that poverty will increase during the time of the final redemption. And we see over here something very interesting, that somebody that goes, first of all, let's take a step back. <coughs> we see over here that <coughs> someone who goes and loses money is considered as if they died. And what is the reference of death over here? That's hain. <coughs> that is the, the letters of hain. What's hain? That's when you take hain, when you take wealth, and you remove the vav, and you remove the power of kedusha, the power of yisar, the power of sexual purity, and then you are left with death. And what's death? Death is none other than, well, besides one aspect of that, but death is also here in reference to um, financial uh, poverty, where you don't have <coughs> any uh, any money. So we see over here the powerful, the power, the powerful power of being pure in this area of our life. And, and this goes to all areas, whether it's in modesty, whether it's in wasting seed, whether it's in dressing other way. There's so many different aspects that all come into here. And one of the biggest skulat, one of the biggest skulat, this, this is the first one of our discussion today, is the skulat of losing your money is not being careful in this realm. Not being careful in this realm causes a tremendous lack of success in the financial realm. The Gemara in Avodah Zarah, page 18b, goes and says that one who indulges in leitzanut will sustain a decrease of income. Leitzanut is like sort of a, a lightheadedness. Now here's something very interesting, and I was thinking, there's a lot of stuff over here uh, that I went, and as I was reviewing this, I was like taking things out, putting things in, because I try, I, I really tried to make, to, to simplify this. But, uh, and I hope I didn't lose you until now. Uh, but if I did, just bear with me, you'll still get some of it. If I didn't, then amazing. The, the word... The letter kuf, when you spell it out, it's kuf and pei, or kuf and the fei. Now, there's a positive aspect to the word, and there's a negative aspect to the word. And this generally goes to, to the majority of the words. So you have the positive aspect to the word kuf is kedusha, which starts with kuf. And the negative side is kuf, which means monkey. 
it's the, uh, the, the, the way that you spell kuf is the same way that you spell monkey. So when you take the letter kuf, maybe, maybe we should visualize this a little bit. So when you take the letter, when you take the letter kuf and you write it out, so it's kuf, and end of pay. The numerical value of kuf is 100. The numerical value of pay is 80. For the total numerical value of 180. I just realized I was blocking it. Now, when you take a when you um, take a number, and it something is 10 times that number. This is the gematria realm, so I hope I'm not going to lose you with this. So bear with me. When you take a number and you take 10 times that number, 10 is the number that of completion and perfection. So for example, if you take the, the, the word chai, so word chai is ches and yud. And the numerical value of ches and yud is 18. 10 times that, meaning the perfection of that, is 180. Is, is the perfection of that. Meaning 10 is the, is the completion of the fre- perfection of the number uh, of whatever it is. So 10 times chai, which is, ku, which is literally the Rebbe Kuf, referring to Kedusha over here, is the perfection of the life force. On the negative side of this, you take the word chait. So ches, ches, aleph. This numerical value, so you have 8, 9, and 1, that's 18. You have 18, that's also 18 times 10 is also equal to 180. So we see over here, on the positive side you have chai, you have life. On the negative side you have chait, you have sin. And both of them equal to a, uh, you times it by, by the 10, by the, by, the, by the maximum sort of it. And you get to the what? You get to 180. So you have over here that by the means of holiness, of kedusha, you're able to build yourself what? The chai, the life. But by the, by the, means of avera, of sins, you're able to destroy that life that you have. You're able to destroy that. I hope that you're with me so far. Now, it's something very interesting. The number 180 is also the numerical value of the word leitzan. Leitzan is, is the, from the shorosh of leitzanut, of, of, uh, of, of lightheadedness, of, of mockery. The way that this is explained is that mockery, lightheadedness, is also very, very closely related to Sexual misconduct, znut. These things are very, very closely related. And hence, the Gemara in Avodah Zarah, page 18b, says that one who indulges in this mockery and this lightheadedness will sustain a decrease of income because, again, this is in the same realm of things. Moving along. The next thing <coughs> is something very interesting. This is from the Shvilei Pinchas, or Pinchas Frida. Says the Shvilei Pinchas, the quotes of Gemara in Bava Metziah, page 59a. And it says, Olam ye. This is really for the men. But women should listen to it, but definitely the men that are listening, please pipe up if you didn't listen to it until now. Well, the truth is, if you didn't listen until now, rewind and listen to it again. But this is something very, very important. And the Gemara in Bava Mitzia, page 59a, goes and says, Lo'olam yehe adam zahil, a person should always be very careful, bichvod ishto, in honoring his wife. She'ein bracha mitzuya betoch beto, that a person's blessing is not found inside his house, shaladam, ela bishvil ishto. Only because of his wife. Again, the translation of that. Is that a person must always be careful about honoring his wife as blessing is found in the home of that, a person's house only because of his wife. And this is based off a of pasuk in Bereshi, Genesis chapter 12, verse 16. And Avraham benefited her for her sake. Meaning that because of Sarah, Abraham was, was successful in his financial realms. And therefore, the Gemara goes on and says that Rava told the people of Mechazah that goes and says that honor your wife so that you will become rich. 
And <coughs> so this is what the Gemara says. Now, if we could ask a deering question, and that is, why? Why is it that if you honor your wife, that is a uh, blessing of panasa, of success, of financial success? Explains the Shvili Pinchas. Why did HaKadosh Baruch why did God punish Avraham? I'm not Avraham, sorry. Why did God punish Adam Arishon for the sin of the Eitz by making him work for his living? If we look at Bereshit, chapter 3, verse 19, Adam was cursed from eating the Eitz with Bezeata Pechat He was cursed for what? For going by the sweat of your brow, by the sweat of your face. Now you're going to have to eat bread. But we look about it, but like, why was that curse put in? When you look at it, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded Adam not to eat from the tree, he was only warned of one thing, the penalty of death. As it says in Bereshit, chapter 2, verse 17, that says, Umina etzadas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling Adam Arishon, don't eat from the tree of good and evil. Ki achal mot tamut. From the day that you're going to eat from it, you're going to die. So, Oh, I just see that everybody's uh, having some uh, um, skipping in that. I apologize. I don't know. I, I think my internet connection is fine. Yeah, it looks like I'm connected. I don't want to switch connection, but I'll try next time to do a different connection. But I hope it's good okay at this point. the the Going back to the, the Pasuk in Bereshit goes and says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu went and HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Adam HaRishon that if you're going to go and if you're going to eat from the tree of good and bad and you can eat from the Etzadas, your punishment is going to be death. So why is it all of a sudden that Adam did the sin and now HaKadosh Baruch Hu put, okay, there was death coming to the world and now all of a sudden there's a bonus punishment. What's a bonus punishment of going and now punishing Adam HaRishon's livelihood? So it says the Shvili Pinchas that if you look at Bereshit chapter 2 verse 5 where it says that the, after the trees and the grass and everybody was created, the tree was, the, the, there was no yet trees in the earth. There was no herbs on the earth yet. Why, says Rashi? Because it didn't rain. And Rashi goes and explains, because why would didn't it didn't rain yet? Because there was no man to work the soil. There was no man. The in, the, why was there no man to work the soil? The in makir betavasam shel geshamim. Meaning, says Rashi. Uh, let's try to explain this. When I when I created the world, the world was created and all the vegetation was like under the earth. When it rained, all of a sudden it, it sprouted to show to, for, for all the vegetation. But what, when did, why did it have to wait? Why did Akash Baruch have to make it wait till Adam Elishon was created and then it rained? Says Rashi, because that if nobody was be, would be created, nobody would recognize the benefits of rain, and hence it didn't go and it didn't, uh, um, it didn't rain yet. And when an Adam came, when he was created, and he realized there's, there's, there's a necessity for the world, so he prayed for, for the rain, and they came. Meaning, says the Shulat Pinchas, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not allow the rain to fall unless there was somebody who would recognize and appreciate the rain. And, and along these lines, the Ramban, in the end of Parashat Bo, goes and says that we have to be careful with the small mitzvah, like a big mitzvah. Why? Because they're all beloved. Because the purpose of mitzvah, the purpose of all the commandments that we have to do is one of them. One of the many purposes is that we have to acknowledge and believe in God and to thank God. That is the purpose of creation. And it's very interesting that we're taking these two ideas, the purpose of creation to thank God and the aspect of rain. In fact, the Torah associates the reward for the observance of mitzvah to rainfall. And the punishment of neglecting the Torah 
is also we also see that with with withholding of rainfall, and we see this in, in two places. Number one in Devarim chapter eleven, verse thirteen to th- verse fourteen, where it says, "Vahayim shamoya tishmu al mitzvotai, Asher anochim itzave etchem ayom." I hope this sounds familiar to you because you should be saying it every single day. This is part of the Shema where it goes and says that you have to listen to everything that I'm going to say. Everything that I commanded you. And the next pasuk goes, I am going to give you red rain in your land in its time. And then the meaning that if you listen to God, you will get rain in its time. You will get the rain. And if you don't listen, you don't get it. Look at what it says in Vayikra. Chapter twenty in, in chapter twenty six verse three. If you follow my commandments, my statute, my observe my commandments, you'll follow my all my mitzvot. Then what does the pasuk goes and says? I will give you rain. Meaning, we still we hear there is a connection between keeping the mitzvot and rain. The observant of mitzvot stems from an obligation to show our gratitude. For HaKadosh Baruch Hu, well one of them, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu taking us, for example, out of Egypt. So, when we observe all the mitzvot, it is clear that we recognize the gratitude of all that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done for us. And hence, the reward is what? Is for rain. And failure to absorb the mitzvot, meaning failure of having gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a lack of appreciation, is a lack of rain. And this is why, we can see something so beautiful. Oh, this is so beautiful. We look in Gemara Antanit, page 7a, that the Gemara says something so hard to understand unless you have this concept. And the Gemara goes and says, Gadol yom hagashamim ki yom shenitna batorah. A day that, would, listen to this crazy statement of the Gemara. A day on which rain falls is as momentous as a day in which the Torah was giving. Now this question is very, very interesting. Why is it and I see, by the way, my, my connection is not stable. I'm going to switch to a different, uh, I hope this, I'm switching to a different internet, Wi-Fi, so I hope that this is okay. Okay, so the, Gmar goes and says that, I just realized I might be connected, so hold on, bear with me. Can you guys, are you guys still with me? Uh, no, I'm skipped out. Okay, I, I, I should be back. I tried to switch to a different internet connection, but it didn't work. Okay, whatever it is, we're going to stick to it with whatever we are. I, I, I should be back now. So the Gemara goes on Tani, page 7a, goes and says, Gadol yom ki yom A day on which rain falls is as great as a day which the Torah was given. Now the question is, you know, it seems surprising. How could the Gemara say such a thing? A day that the rain is just like the day that the Torah was given? Explains our Pinchas Freedom, it goes and says the Torah was given to Yisrael, or what? So that they should be keep the mitzvot. What was one of the reasons? So that expressed the gratitude to God. That God goes and provides us. Therefore, that what happens is when we go and we listen to the Torah, and we keep the mitzvot, Tarkadish Baruch provides us in rain. And this is in return, this is because we're expressing the gratitude. So the great, something so unbelievable here, the greatness of giving of the Torah is realized on the day that it's rained. Because we see over here that just when we're going and we're following the mitzvah, that we have the rain, so we see everything go and plugged in together so beautifully. So going back now to Adam Arishon, Adam goes and he failed to appreciate the kindness and the favor that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has performed for him. As it says in Bereshit, chapter 3, verse 12, Ha'isha asher natata imadi, the woman that you gave to me, she is the one that went and gave me from the fruit of the tree. 
Hashem goes over to, to Adam Arishon and says, Adam, what happened? Why did you eat from the tree? And he's, Adam's like, oh no, it's not my fault. It's not me, it's the evil eye. Obviously he didn't say the evil eye. He's pointing something out on a, on a different area. It's the woman. It's the woman. It's her fault. It's she, you, you gave me this woman and she was the one who caused me to sin. So Adam Arishon was going, was what? He was showing the lack of gratitude of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him an Ezel Kinegdor, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a wife just for Adam HaRishon, and Adam HaRishon didn't show the gratitude. And we know the purpose of all the mitzvot, one of them is to show the gratitude, and the blessing for that is what? Is Panasai, is rain. And hence, this is why it's not sort of like a punishment, it was sort of a consequence. I like Adam Hashan showed a lack of gratitude. You show a lack of gratitude, and then in order to go and get the panasa, which is which is associated with gratitude, now you're going to have to go and bezat And this is why the Gemara goes and it says, "You always have to make sure that you honor your wife, because the blessing of the home is what because of the because of the wife. How important it is they have to honor the wife. Where does it all stem from? It all stems from gratitude. You have to have gratitude. You have to have gratitude. We see over here, besides the fact of the amount of gratitude that one has to have to HaKadosh Baruch over here, we see over here the importance of honoring your spouse. Of how important it is to have honor to your spouse. Give honor to your spouse. Look at what HaKadosh Baruch gave to you. Look at what you got. Did you stop for a second and think? Did you stop for a second and appreciate what God has given you? We, this is what we started off the class. We're like, you know, everybody has so much requests that they want from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But did you stop for a second and thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for what you have? We all feel like we have, we're lacking and we want more. And may HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us, ugly die, keep on giving us more. But we, do we stop for a second? Do we use our eye to look at only the kesef? Or do we stop and use our eye and look at HaKadosh Baruch Hu, look up into Shemayim and say, thank you HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all that you're giving, gratitude of all that we have. The time is getting a little bit late, so let's try to wrap it up with the, the last few uh, um, skulot to lose, uh, to lose money. The Gman Sotah, page 4b goes, that says that anybody who has an arrogant spirit, it's considered as if they've committed every form of forbidden relations. And this also arrogance is something that causes someone to lose it, to lose uh, the the blessing of panasat. The shla goes and and says also that machloket arguments. Oh, this causes so much lack of panasat. And if, furthermore, it states that one machloket, one argument, repels a hundred panasat. And it's interesting if you take the word machloket. And you move the words around of it a little bit. It spells chelak mavet. Machloket spells chelak mavet, a piece of death. How far we have to stay from machloket, from from any arguments, from any from from any of these. It could be between family members. It could be between inheritance. It could be between you know siblings. It could be between partners. It could be between friends. How far we have to go and stay from machloket? Needless to say, of course, between a husband and a wife. And it's something very interesting. On that lines, shalom. Shalom is peace. Okay, we don't have that much time, but I got to show you something very cool. Um, we're taking this out. Of, okay, I didn't write this down yet. So you know, well, I'll just I'll do it without without the board. So you take shalom. Shalom. The letters are shin, lamed, vav, and endemem. 
And you take the first, the first letter of Shin, Shin, that is connected with Esh, with fire. And this is, uh, this is in reference to the strict ju- judgment of Din and Gvua. Then you have the final letter Mem, that represents Maim, which is water. Uh, and water symbolizes kindness and mercy. So you have the Shin of Shalom on one side, you have the Mem of, of Shalom at the, at the opposite end. One is reference to Din and Gvua, another is reference to, Rachman, to, to kindness and mercy, Chesed and Rachman. And then you have the middle, the middle is the, is the Vav and the Lamed, the Lamed Vav. Which is thirty six, which is in essence six times six. Um, the 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 quality of the tzaddik, which we're not going to get into again to too much detail because I don't want to lose you too much. But there is a little bit of a hint over here to the lamed vav tzaddikim in uh in the in, you know in the world. But we see over here the six again, the power of of the you saw the power of the tzaddikim, the power of and by the way something very interesting just to. Throw, throw in another tidbit over here, which either I'm going to lose you even more, or it's going to be even more beautiful, that one of the few people that is called Tzaddik is Yosef. Yosef HaTzaddik. One of the few, few people at Tzaddik, Yisod Olam, is refer- reference to this Yisod, this powerful of the number six. Anyways, moving along, now that you're duly confused, the uh, Gemara in Psachim, page 113b, goes and says, the next thing, somebody, a uh, school for losing money, is someone who's disrespectful and wasteful to the treatment of fruit, especially bread. You have to be careful because this causes poverty, you have, to be, you have to treat that with respect, and if you take bread, you don't throw it out in the garbage, you take bread and you put it in a special bag, uh, obviously you don't throw bread like Frisbee, or you, don't, you, you have to have special respect for the food as well. And this, this not only goes for bread, but this goes also to all food. You should not use food as a, 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 never should you ever be participate in any such a thing like a food fight. That's a, a disaster. Besides a disgusting, uh, you know, low life type of thing to do, it's also a, um, a, a, a not a good skula for, for keeping your money. Next, page 71a goes and says that somebody who loans money on interest, that would also cause somebody to go and to lose uh, money. Uh, the Gemara, the next thing, going a little bit fast over here because I want to finish up over here. The Gemara in Sukkah, page 29b, goes and says that somebody who delays, there's, there's a few things that causes poverty. One of the things that it speaks about is the, 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 you delay paying your workers. Or another thing is also depriving the workers of the wages, um, and as well as arrogance, the Gemara also brings down over there. But, but what I really want to focus is the delay of paying your workers. I uh, have a student that I had to actually I meant to follow up with him on this, but I, I forgot to that he used to work for somebody who was extremely wealthy. And this guy owed him a few thousand dollars. And he went over to him and he says, you know, you owe me a few thousand dollars, you know, when can you pay? And he started laughing in his face. And the my my, my student goes over to him and says, What why? Why are you like what's going on? Like why are you laughing? Like I you know I and he goes over to him and says for he the, this his boss was very, very wealthy. Two thousand it's not like he needed the money. He had plenty of money. He had it. He doesn't need it. He says, you have the money. Why are you not giving it? Why can't you pay me off? And he's like, ah, this. And he pushes him off from here. Like The amount of, of, of aggravation that he caused him for a few thousand dollars, which was nothing. And, and to this day, I can't understand people that they have the money. And, and again, I'm not judging them because, you know, to everybody, to each their own test. But they have people that have money and they don't pay their workers, or they don't pay somebody that they owe money to. I'm like, why are you not doing that? And it's not the fact that they want to steal. That's something else. They're planning on paying it, but they, for some reason they're delaying it. Like, why would you do that? Like, what would be one reason to even think about doing that? Someone did work for you, you make sure you pay them right away. You don't wait till the next day. 
if I have anybody that does any work for me, I try to make sure, you know, we agreed on a price. I try to make, as soon as if they finish the job, I make sure that I pay them. You don't, why would you want to delay it? Like, what would be the reason? Well, you want to keep it in your bank for another day? You're saving something? The interest, you're, you're getting nothing from it. But unfortunately, this is one of the things that causes somebody to go and lose their panasa. Uh, in addition, the, uh, the, the Sfat Ahmed goes and brings down based on Midrash in the, uh, in the uh, um, Miglat Estelle that goes and says that why does, why does Kalaisa suffer so much cruel decrees? Why do they suffer? And one of the reasons was, is because of the desecration of Shabbat. The desecration of Shabbat causes also a losing of a lot of financial financial benefit. There's there's a long list of things that causes just to like do a little bit of a recap that you know that causes this this type of financial uh, you know destruction. One of them is obviously Shabbat, which we just spoke about before. Again, there's more to speak about in Bezat Hashem in next class. But Shabbat is 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 a huge thing. You have people that steal, fraud, dishonesty. Infidelity, sadness, also depression, anger, worry, spilling, wasting seed, um, breach of family purity, anger, lightheadedness, anything with related to the sexual sexual impurity. These are all very, very closely related to the to, to your panasa. So, finishing off, I just want to finish off with something a little bit, you know, a little bit on the on the cute aspect, a little bit on the beautiful aspect. That even if, let's say, somebody went and somebody unfortunately fell in this, you know, realm of whatever it is. Never ever feel like okay, it's done. So I lost my partner's eye, and I can't, I'm not going to be able to do anything anymore because you know I, uh, you know, it's a it's a lost cause. If somebody look at this, how beautiful it is. If somebody is a rasha, ration eye, and you take that and you, what is the word? Mix the words. You you mix the words around a bit. It comes osho. It becomes uh, you know becomes uh, wealth. And you take somebody who had who did, who did pesha. Pesha is a um, uh, Pesha is somebody that did like a crime, did something bad. That can also turn into it could turn into Shefa, and Shefa is the abundance that you have. So no matter where you're holding in your life, and if maybe you are not on the level that you wanted to be, and maybe you want to, you, you feel like you did things that caused you to lose out on certain panasa. Just realize that there's nothing that stops in the way of tshuva. And you have the ability to do tshuva and get back all that you all that you lost. I hope that this was clear. I hope that it came out clear. I really try to make it clear. It's a little bit of complex, a little bit of complex um, topics, but um, I, I try to make it as clear and simple. And again, I took out a lot of things to try to, to simplify it a little bit. So again, I hope you guys are with me, and you, I hope you guys you know understood it. I'll tell you right off the bat, this class. And next class with Hashem is is a is a little bit different than what we usually do. Next class a little bit more, but the uh, next class I'll tell you you got to bring a pen and paper because you will have to uh, <laughs> you have, definitely have to write down those things. Um, with that, we will open up to any questions that anybody has. No questions. Um, I wasn't here for the beginning of the class, so I don't know if you spoke about this, but what do you say about like wearing very let's say brand name? Like around public places where people see them, does that like affect your wealth in any way? I, I'm sorry, I lost you there a little bit. Maybe my oh, my volume is really low. Okay, can you repeat that? I, I only heard part in public something. Can you please repeat that? Okay, so um, I wasn't here for the beginning class. I don't know if you spoke about this, um, but 
did, uh, what did you say about like, you know, like let's say you're wearing brand names out in public and you know there are people that obviously can't afford that. Um, is that like, will that affect your health in any way? So, so your question is actually very interesting. Your question is, can, what about wearing brand name clothes in public and people would feel like they're not on, you know, they can't afford it? Is that where you're going? Yeah. Okay. So that actually, that I, I didn't speak about this, but I'm happy that you did bring this up. So that is uh, that is uh, in the area of flaunting your your uh, benefits. So it's funny because when I started off speaking, I started off speaking about the evil eye and how people tend to blame, you know, things instead of looking into their own uh, into their own lives, they blame it on the evil eye. But in essence, that could be, and I did mention it, that could be a cause. So what happens is if somebody flaunts their blessings to other people then that could cause a loss of financial thing through an evil eye. Because that is an actual, uh, you know, an accurate, uh, um, you know, an outcome. That if somebody goes and, uh, let's say, lives, let's, let's make it a little bit more of a clear example, lives in a neighborhood where people don't have much money and people are st- struggling to get by, and they drive in their bright red Ferrari with a blown-out muffler, or whatever it's called, when they drill holes as a muffler, that they wake up the dead people as they drive past by. So everybody should go and see them and look at them and see what they have, and they dress in this very ostentatious type of things, then they're causing attention to themselves. And if they're causing attention to themselves, so then what happens is, is people say, why, that's not fair. How come he has it and I don't? How come she's able to have that and I don't? So you have over here where you can open up your blessings to an evil eye where people are going and you're flaunting your blessings, which is also something we shouldn't be doing. You're flaunting your blessing and that causes other people to look at you and start putting the judgment on you on Shemaim saying, why do they have it and I don't? And then what happens? What's an evil eye? An evil eye is they start opening up the books in Shemaim in heaven and say, right, why do they have it? How come this person does have a red Ferrari and this person doesn't? Do they deserve it? And nobody wants their books opened up. That's Nobody wants to be audited. Not in this world, not in the next world. Even if you're 100% kosher. You want to stay away from that. So that's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. That, that can be also a, a cause. I, I just brought in a few of the main causes, but there's definitely more, and that's definitely one of them. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.